I am all for paying to market to new customers, but I'll never be able to wrap my mind around paying for our own diners. Why should we have to pay cover fees? It's like getting penalized for being busy. That's why I'm a huge fan of Yelp Guest Manager. It's a reservation and waitlist system connected to a diner network nine times larger than Open Table, and they never charge cover fees. Learn about their new $99 per month plan for newly opened restaurants at restaurants.yelp.com forward slash podcast or call 877-571-9357 and tell them full comp sent you. Now here we go. We don't get upset at Gap. If something is more expensive, we either decide to buy it or we don't. No one is mad at Prada for their stuff being highly expensive. And when they raise their prices, no one is upset and throws a fit in product. So why do we treat the restaurant industry any differently? People treat us how we see ourselves. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Think about all of the promises you've made to yourself. When you hit a certain revenue goal, that's when you're going to take that vacation. Think of all the plans you have to support and inspire your teams once you can afford it. Today's guest, Queenie Reed, believes those intentions can become actions today. In our conversation, she shares exactly how she transformed her restaurants and her life into that future vision in the present moment. As we know, the industry and how we work in the work balance is extremely toxic, right? It's, it's just running and over with toxicity, right? And just unhealthy practice. And so I was the girlfriend dating the chef who never got to see him, who had to show up to all of the holiday parties by myself, or if someone was having a baby or anything like that. I was the wife, then became the wife who had to experience childbirth four days after he's on the line because three people walked off the line. And so to me, I was just like, either, look, we're going to have to start working together or this isn't going to work for me because I can't have an absent husband. And I come from hospitality slightly, but my hospitality is from hotel hospitality. So I'm really good at customer service. I kind of pride myself on looking at customer service is just a human interaction. It just exudes out of me. It's something that's just naturally in me. And so I started easy because as you know, chefs are kind of, they're a little territorial. And so <laughs> since I, I come from a controller and a finance background, and that's how we met. We met at the Standard Hotel. He was the executive chef. I was the accounting manager there. So that's how our working relationship started. So we actually started working together before we fell in love. Well, I mean, he kind of fell in love at sight. Hello. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, like, so we built that foundation early on. I decided that, okay, we're going to start working. I'll do anytime you need a server for catering company because he was also a catering company. He ran the standard, he ran Poppy and Rose, and he had a high-end catering company. And so I was like, look, either I'm going to have to start working this with you or this is not going to work, bro. Like, this is not healthy. And so we set up parameters where I was like, listen, when we got married, I said, hey, we're going to have to take one vacation 
a year. Our birthdays are two days apart. And then our wedding anniversary is in the same month as our birthday. So July is our month. And he's been adhering to that. And so it was just natural to join him for me. And then when he wanted to figure out what he wanted to do with Poppy and Rose, I asked him, I said, Poppy and Rose was kind of your baby. Even though you have partners, what do you want to do? Do you want to sell or do you want to keep it? And he was like, I want to keep it. I said, okay. So I walked into the room, got my little suit on, brought my lawyer and we kept it. And then I looked at it at this point and was like, it doesn't make any sense for me to be sitting using all of my knowledge for a fashion brand when I can be helping my husband build a brand that he's been dreaming of and becoming more of a chef and actually cultivating his vision and making it come to life. And so I quit my job and just jumped right in. And then I ran straight into the pandemic, like, boop. <laughs> and, so, and that was my like introduction into restaurant ownership and operations. And I think that that was such an inflection point for so many of us. And Lord knows there were so many terrible things that came out of the pandemic. But for me, at least, there were blessings as well. I rediscovered my family. My wife and I, this is no joke. I remember thinking to myself when we shut down the restaurant, like my wife and I, we had vacationed somewhat infrequently over the prior 10 years. And every time we went on vacation, we got in an argument, like a big one. And we never argued outside of that. But she had never really seen me outside of that. <laughs> and so, right? I redefined work-life balance for myself. And I know that your path was somewhat similar in the way that you began to look at the, you know, it's so easy to get swallowed up by a restaurant because there's so many things going on. You're putting out literal fires and figurative fires. And, you know, when you get that moment to pause, it changes your perspective. How did it change your perspective on family and work? I mean, when everyone got the news that we were going to have to close indoor dining, the first thing that I started to think about were our employees and how that was going to affect their families. Not so much my family, because I knew that we were okay, right? We had money in the bank. We have different avenues of where we make money. And I'm like, this is just their only source of income. Then I watched Michael completely gut kitchens that he was working for, because at that time he was consulting at the Avalon Hotel for the Vivian. And he's shutting that down. And they're not really taking care of their employees as the way that they should and giving them insight. And I just thought it was disastrous. And then I started thinking about how I felt when I was sitting at home lonely and getting highly upset that Michael, like I didn't understand this, huh? I didn't understand that once the shift is over, you have to clean the kitchen. So I would get pissed, like the restaurant and close at 10 o'clock. It's 12 o'clock. What you talking about? You Right. And so I remember all those times of how it made me feel being on the other side. Right. And I started looking at my employees as myself, as a human being. And now we're in a house. We have ample amount of outside. Michael started gardening. We started reconnecting. We started building bridges with each other and foundation that we so missed when we were neglecting everything that's important, right? And we're able to birth new ideas. And so it became, if you did not come out the pandemic a better person, something is wrong with you. This was the time to really get back to our human, our hospitality, being hospitable. 
So it was a no brainer to me because I wanted it. I was lonely. What you're talking about here is living a life of intention. And I think that when we start these projects, there is a clear intention, right? Freedom, self-determination, inspiration, passion, service. But then you start treading water and then you get used to treading water. And then that's really all there is. And so it's really easy to be totally unconcerned with your employees' needs when you're totally unconcerned with your own. Exactly. Right. I'm a parent, too. So not only was I coming into this new restaurant, right, as a new parent, I have a kid at home where I'm being a new parent. Right. So I started actually looking at it like parenting. If I'm not mentally sound, how can I be a good mother for Mackenzie? Right. At some point, I have to make sure that I'm whole and that I'm good so that I can care and make sure that I'm full so I have something to give. It's crazy to me that we want people to work to death and then say, well, why are you failing? Why isn't the restaurant doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Why haven't you done this? And they're like, they're barely in there like, ah, and their mind is blown. They can't really process anything. Their marriage is going to shit because they're never at home. Their kids are acting crazy because they want mom and dad's attention because they're never at home. That's not what I want my atmosphere to be. And atmosphere is what exudes out of the people that are there. And they have to create that atmosphere from inside first. So you are a numbers person. And so if I was to ask your husband, what are the essential elements of a successful restaurant? He's going to say great food, great beverage, great service. But we see restaurants with great food, great beverage and great service close every single day. That's what makes for a successful restaurant, but not necessarily a successful business. And so from your perspective, as the person that handles the finances, what are the essential elements of a successful restaurant from a business perspective? Well, I think being financially sound and knowing your books in and out, actually having monthly meetings with an accountant, get an accountant. Also, utilizing technology now. I can't pay attention to every nook and cranny, but these wonderful people with these brilliant tech minds have created algorithms and things that will pull in numbers for me so that I can just run run report. It'll also give me feedback and tell me like, hey, now we have a system where it'll actually ping if something increases in inventory. So say cucumbers goes up, it'll let me know that I need to increase my prices in these areas in order to make up the shortfall and continue to have that profit. Michael's job is to make sure that we're increasing revenue and slightly mine is that is creating the experience, right? But I'm also constantly looking at ways for us to save money and add benefit. And I think that that makes a sound company. You have to have each side. You have to have assets and liabilities. You have to have revenue and expenses. And so if you can find a partnership where that balances, that creates a sound business. Michael just happens to also be a number chef. So he's constantly always, he was always in my office. So what's my food cost? And I'm just like, bro, first of all, the month just closed one day ago, sir. Okay, you have to give me a second. I have six days. Thank you very much. But he was always concerned about his food cost to make sure that we were always looking profitable and always actually being profitable. I also think that what creates a really good business 
is the heart of the business, which are your employees, right? Because they're running it and doing it while you're not there. And they're supposed to execute this plan that you have in your mind. So internal marketing and marketing to them and having them buy into your brand is also part of being successful. Just like I said, they will come to me and be like, we need to raise prices because they are concerned about the not just the physical aspect, but also the financial health of the company. Now, that's a very chicken and egg dynamic. I think any restaurateur you talk to wants to offer great benefits, subsidized health care, 401k programs, paid time off, all of these different things. You come from outside the industry and then even within the industry, you came from a corporate environment where these were table stakes. These are the benefits that everyone outside the industry takes for granted. And so everyone says to themselves, well, once we make X amount of money, we'll do these things for our employees. You have been generous with your team from the outset. Talk to me about the ways that you've supported your team and the benefits that you've seen as an owner and operator because of it. So like during the pandemic, a lot of our team members and our managers like showed up, like our kitchen manager literally came to us and was like, my wife has a 401k. You don't have to worry about paying me. Just make sure that all the rest of my people are paid. Right. And I actually came back and I told him, I said, don't worry about it. We actually got it. <laughs> but, you know, thank you. Cause I was on it. And so it's just, when something is important to you, you make time for it. When something is important to you, you'll make money for it. And so I started thinking of ways to say, hey, I might not be able to do X, Y, and Z, but I know that your wife works for this major corporation, right? And she has great health care. I'll pay for your health care on her. So I'll reimburse because they're taking that out of her check, your portion to you. That comes out to be $175, $200 a month. We can afford that per person when you start to think of it like that. Because now it's just, it's just managers right now because we have so many part-time people. And then when we see our hourlies, they're working, they've gone into leads, the same thing. I tell them, go sign up for Covered CA. If they sign up for Covered CA and it comes back, that Covered CA is going to charge them $337 a month. Okay, for some them. I can tell them I'll give you 175 to that. Right. Now I'm meeting you halfway. Okay. Because I can't afford to pay for a package of health benefits a thousand dollars per person or seven hundred dollars per person. That is too much. But I can do 175, 100 here. Then I started thinking about like, okay, how do we balance work? life, right? And so we threw out a couple of things. We asked them, they will tell you what they need and then we can figure it out. So I asked them like, would you guys rather more days off or would you rather more pay? Like, what would you rather? And how would that look to you? And a lot of them were like, I would just like to have two consecutive days off. Boom. I can give you that. That's a benefit. Who wants to wash laundry on Thursday? And do all your household chores and then go back to work on Friday. And then you don't have another work a day off on Monday. Now you're back at washing. You know what I'm saying? You don't really have a day off. Two consecutive days off are a big deal. Some people even came and were like, I don't mind working four days and longer hours in the four days. And we can have three days off. 
right? And so we started to get a consensus. And then we started looking how that affected our bottom line. And we tried and we saw that it was immaterial. It didn't really kill the bank. Okay. So, okay, we can't now do this. Now we're going to look at plastics and go back to them and say, we need for you to cut this down or we need to change that out because now I'm making room for these, these personal days and these holidays that we're getting off. Right. And that's how we make room. We go back. Hey, I'm a customer too. I'm buying from you. I've been buying from you for 10 years. We still come to you. I need a better price. And that affects a lot. And you find money. Another one of the tools in your arsenal is internal marketing. Talk to me about what that looks like in practical application. Basically affirming your employees, right? Also constantly reiterating the brand. Also understanding that when we're doing hiring practices, when I interview people and when my GMs interview people, one of the questions that we ask is, do you have issues giving? Do you have issues actually walking up or are you uncomfortable with walking up to a homeless person and handing out meals? Because that's what we do here. And that is a requirement of the job. Watching people give is a great opportunity for us to kind of build a bridge together. Right now, they see me giving. They're doing it. They're feeling good about themselves. And just making sure that they completely see all of the things that we're doing, that we're saying that we're doing. Like if I say that we're creating a nonprofit, they actively know that we're doing it. They understand that their job means the world to us. I write little notes to let them know. Like when I see them doing something very well, I write a note and I send it to them and or I'll sit down and say, you know what, just sit down and eat with me today. Don't worry about it. They got your tables. I already talked to them about it. And it means a lot to them, right? Because I have to understand how they see me and... I'm just Queenie, but they see me in a totally different light. And it means a lot when I stop and just affirm and tell them, like, I see what you're doing. We have like this employee retention program where we take like every month, we'll say, okay, whoever made the most sales, right? We kind of make it a competition because at the end of the day, just like kindergarten, when you got that little star on the back, you were excited and you wanted the most stars. It's just how we operate, right? Everybody still got something, but you might've got something just a little bit extra special, an extra eraser or something. And it was a big deal. Or you just got more stars and that was it, right? So we'll do things like that. Like whoever got like the most compliments, most Yelp reviews, people saying their names on Yelp reviews organically, or just me sitting and watching and hearing people come up to me that come to the restaurant and mentioning them. We started doing like, hey, we'll do a Dodger game all together. We'll go and do an escape room, right? And you get to choose, since you got the most Yelp reviews, you get to choose what we do. Or we'll do something like the highest earners, we'll take them to a restaurant that normally they might not be able to afford. Just those little things of what makes us feel good about working in our industry. Like Michael and I love to eat. We love to eat high end. They should enjoy that too for their hard work. Seeing what was possible and going from good to great, you're going to learn something. Hearing different perspectives from different people in the group have inspired ideas or concepts that I've used since then that there's no way I would have ever come up with on my own. You pull it out of this as much as possible. When the well is dry, you pour a bucket in there and then tell us, now get it out. We could have been just as lost as when we started if all we got was, here's how to do it, go. These folks are independent restaurateurs, just like you, but they have one massive advantage that you don't. They have a proven plan, 
I'm launching my next restaurant marketing mastermind that brings together 12 owners and operators looking to massively scale revenue by working with me and by working with each other. This mastermind is so effective, we offer a money back guarantee. So if you're interested in scaling your restaurant's revenue with a program that is guaranteed to work, apply today at restaurantmarketingmastermind.com. Again, that's restaurantmarketingmastermind.com. You might think being on the line and filling those tickets is the thing you need to do for your restaurant, but every burger you make is a marketing call or video that you didn't make to drive more sales into your restaurant to make things better. And how are you supporting their mental health? Because I know that that's a priority for you as well. Yeah, they can always come and say that they need a mental day. Like it's out there and they know that they can do that. But like a lot of times I have to come up to them and be like, hi, you look stressed out. Do you need a mental day? (laughs) Right. Because we're not used to utilizing that or even having the space to do that. But if they need to, I always make sure that the managers that we're putting in place to that they're open that their door is open to, that they have an open door policy. Anytime something is bothering you, you can come and talk to us about it. We have an employee that might need to take some time off. So we have things in our handbook where if you have access to be able to take several days off for your mental health, like if you're having a mental health crisis, right? If you're having a breakdown or you're just really going through something that's just shitty and you need a moment to get your mind together. We have policies and procedures that will allow for you to take three or five days off. Depending on your level, some of them are unpaid. If you're a manager, a lot of times they are paid. If you're hourly, depending on the situation, we have flexibility to say that we'll cover it or not, or we'll tell you, you need to use your sick time because you don't use it anyway. Right. So those are some of the things that we practice. And then also in our standups, we make sure that we're getting them in the right frame of mind so that when they hit the floor, they have tools to be able to navigate when something's getting stressful. Sometimes we have to be proactive instead of reactive. You know, Poppy and Rose on a Saturday or Sunday is a hard day. Like, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of people. And when people are hungry and they're waiting, they're not the nicest people, you know? And so you have to be mentally tough for that, right? And so one of the questions that I love to ask is, I'll say, today's going to be a good day. Why is today going to be a good day? And I go around and ask everybody, why is today going to be a good day? And some of the answers are because we work at Poppy and Rose and we got the best food. Great. Then some days are because I'm the best server and I make everybody happy. Cool. Wonderful. You leave with that. Some people might say because it's sun shining outside and I'm just super happy and I'm happy to be alive. Wonderful. But now we're getting them in the right frame of mind to go and combat all those assholes that they might see in a second. (laughs) especially on sunday brunch okay and it's sunday we can't oh my god like i know jeez i know you just got back from church hello i know it and you're gonna act like that right Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. restaurant Uh swear to god okay and look i take some of the blame because we opened at 11 and like when you open at 11 you know they didn't have breakfast so you know like they've already (laughs) been hungry for an hour and they're not going to get their okay. food until like 1130. 
And okay. it's just going to be a slog until that food hits the table. And the sermon took too long, okay? And the benediction <laughs> was too long. And, and they took it forever to get out the parking lot. Now they just mad. Right. right. It's too much. It's a lot. And we have to be mentally fit. There's been times, like I'm not going to say that I'm perfect, but there's been times where a customer has said something to me and I've really just looked at them like, really? Mm-hmm. And rolled my eyes. And I had to come back and tell them, I was like, I'm sorry. I've just have heard this a couple of times and it's not that you're saying it to me. I'm just upset that it hasn't been addressed. Right. Because right. I'm just not mentally there. Like, I'm like, if I hear this again, I'm going to explode. Like, this is ridiculous. Right. And I have to check my face sometimes. But also people need to understand that owners are human, though, too. Like, you don't know what I have going on or what I'm thinking about. We have two properties, a third one on the way and a catering company. And I have a husband, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, you know what I'm saying? And so a lot of times people prejudge. So if we can get them in the right frame of mind, then they're not judging so much and they're not taking it personally, right? Because that's your issue. Whatever you have going on and what you brought into this door has nothing to do with me. And so I try, right, right. So I try to make sure that uh, uh, you don't take on what they're bringing through the door if it's negative, but you're already filled up with all of this positivity that you're able to just boop, deflect it, boop, deflect it, right? And keep on moving on. And that's kind of like where we have, like, I feel like everybody should do that because there's been several times where I wanted to tell a customer, let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you about you. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think it's you, ma'am. And please don't ever come back. Okay. And here's your money back. Okay. But we can't, we, we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> At least we can't do it with frequency. I used to end every pre-shift. I had this rule. So at the end of every pre-shift, I would ask everyone, we would go around the room and we would say one thing that we were grateful for that happened in the last 24 hours. Because you can't be anxious and you can't be fearful when you're in a grateful state of mind. And the mm-hmm. reason we chose 24 hours was because I didn't want you to say the same thing every day. And we we had a small crew. I know you came in there. You see the same people day after day, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that as they walked about their daily life, that they knew that they were going to have to come in and talk about something that they were grateful for that happened in the last 24 hours. And what it did was it reframed their mindset. They would focus throughout the day on what they were going to say in pre-shift because they knew the spotlight was going to be on them. And as soon as the first person goes deep, everyone else feels obligated to do the same. As soon as one person publicly comes out taking it seriously, which was typically me, then everyone else feels beholden to hold that same standard. And all of the things that you're talking about, they bring joy and purpose to the job. And I think it's incredibly important that that's highlighted because the work that we do is important, but the work that we do is hard. And the work that we do more often than not is thankless. Yes. It hurts my feelings sometimes. Like I'm sensitive. Like it makes me upset because it's just like you don't understand everything that went into it. It's so personal. Right. And so mentally, that's hard. Physically, it's hard. I couldn't work in a kitchen. Mm-mm. No. It's too Certainly much. Not. No. Those tickets and the mental stability and the mental capacity that you have to have to work on a line is too much for me. My God, like at Poppy and Seed, we're coursing. 
So it's like you have first course, first course is going out, second course is holding. And then now you have all these other tickets that are behind it. And I'm looking at my husband and I'm just like, I don't know how you do this, but it's not me. (laughs) I'm so glad it's not me. But that mental like fatigue that you have at the end of the day, I completely understand why. We like, I would get so upset, like, come on, let's go out to eat after work. And he's like, I want to go to Jack in the Box and go sit down. <laughs> right. And I'm in like, silence why? in a dark room. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Okay. And I'm just like, well, why? Because, yay, you know, I haven't seen you. And he's just like, if we don't go get Jack in the Box. And now that I'm physically able to stand in the back and watch what goes on, I'm exhausted and mm-hmm. I'm not even performing the task. So now I completely understand. That's another thing. Like, I'm actively right now changing our training manual for the servers, okay? At Poppy and Seed, the back of the house runs the food. So it's an elevated guest experience, right? You see the chef come out, person's cooking your food. You're like, oh, this is fancy. Like, what is in this? And they're like, oh, we topped it and sprinkled and it's layered (laughs) and seared. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, you know? Uh, But for the servers, the servers always take this how I like to say it, this Beyonce aspect. And it's like, ma'am, sir, you guys are technically Kelly and Michelle. (laughs) If you know Destiny's Child. (laughs) Okay. So, right. Okay. So all of the hard work and the glitz and the glamour and the actual product is coming from the back of the house. You're Mm -hmm. selling what they're doing. Right. And so because I didn't understand and I took a different aspect and a different like just of stance of how the restaurant should operate before I started seeing what happened in the kitchen. I didn't understand everything that it took. So now we're changing our training manual that the servers actually have to go train in the back of the house before they come out to the front. So you're going to spend time with the dishwasher. You're going to spend time with standing by the side of the line and in the kitchen so that you can understand everything that it takes to get that plate in the pass and ready for you to pick up. And I think that that will take a total different approach as far as how servers serve how they articulate to the guests, because now they understand what's going on in the back. They understand also how they operate and how they do their tickets. Now they understand you need to put up a complete ticket, and this is the reason why. You're going to spend time with Garmanger. You should be able to finish dishes. You should know that that is missing chives or sorghum or whatever. You should know that it's missing that, and you should do that. And if you don't have the mental capacity to operate in the back, You're not going to make it here in the front. And that's how we're going to do that. Bartenders already have it because they got to prep their own stuff. They got to get all their stuff together. They got to sit there. And then the bartenders have it the worst. If you're not in an open kitchen, they can't see what you're doing in the back. You can get mad and do all that. Bartenders got to be like, yeah, so (laughs) how was your day today? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and the server just walks out and is like, hi, can I take your order? I said, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, so, so no, we're changing that. It is the whole house, right? The kitchen doesn't sit up here and say that they're better than the living room or the bathroom. Or the whole house is the house. So the same way we have to start running our restaurants, this whole like back of the house and the front, and the servers is getting all the tips and making all the money and servers are walking out with $150,000 a year or whatever, or 80. And then the back of the house is working out with 45 or 60. The math isn't mathing. <laughs> 
That doesn't make sense. And so we have to even out the playing field. That also goes into internal marketing. You guys got to understand each other and appreciate each other's roles and appreciate who each other are and how we work together and work as a team. You guys are a team, all working for the same pot. Let's work together. That really bothers me. Like, excuse me, server. Like, I love y'all, but you're getting on my nerves now. You complain about everything. This is my rant real quick. You complain about everything. And you have the glory of the job. And the person that's making it in the back never gets to see the facial expression of when that person takes the first bite of what they created. And they put in, but you, they don't get to see that, but you do. And you treat them like that. And you don't want to give some of your tips to the back of the house. Absolutely not. Our back of the house comes and helps polish. They're the most working together team, them and the bartenders. The bartenders work together too. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Whoop, whoop, whoop. They're working together. The back of the house works together. The front of the house, we got it. We have to, we need to get it together in the front of the house. And if we can get that last component together where they're working as a team cohesively, it boggles my mind. You see a dish that's dirty and you walk past and you don't pick it up because it's not your table. Do you know that the people that were sitting at your table are going to get up and walk past that table? (laughs) They'll see the dirty dish. Do you want to go to somebody's house that isn't clean? No, you won't eat there if you see a dirty house. I don't eat anybody's food unless I've seen their kitchen. Hello. Thank you. Okay. And don't let me make it to the bathroom. If I see the bathroom, (laughs) we're not even making it to the kitchen. I don't even need to know what the kitchen looks like. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's the same way as the restaurant, right? That's where that pride comes in. Uh, When you have a level of understanding, then you're able to adopt a level of pride. Right. And so that training, that training manual, I'm really actually interested to see how this goes of how servers are going to be like, I know there's going to be some servers like, I'm not doing that shit. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, I did not sign up to see the dishwasher wash the dishes. Like, I'm not washing the dishes. But that's not the server that I want to hire. Right? And so that's why we're also doing it. I don't want to hire that server. I want to hire the server that's going to say, you know what? We're overstaffed. I'm here and I'm just in the waiting. The dishwasher is just completely bomb with dishes. I'm going to go help them in the dish pit, right? That's what we're trying to cultivate. And I think, you know, with all the things that I feel like that we've been practicing as far as gratefulness and joy and pride in those things, I think that we can actively change the restaurant industry. The restaurant industry is generational and it's been filled with all of these unspoken rules and traditions about things that should be done. How would you like to see our industry turn the tables to create a better future for all of us? Well, one, I think that we should get rid of tipping. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Okay. It blows my mind that we're the only industry that feels like we deserve tips, right? We're doing a job. We're paying you hourly to do the job. And if we all just understood that, yes, you do need to make more an hour. Rent is high. (laughs) Things cost a lot of money, a.k.a. gas, okay? So it's like, I completely understand that. So we do need to get to a livable wage, but however, we need to do that by increasing our prices. We need to do that by, because food is what it costs. This is what it costs. This is what it costs. This is what it costs, (laughs) okay? It costs for these chairs that you're sitting in. It costs to keep it clean in here. It costs to keep all the employees happy. This costs. Right. And if you go to any other country, 
the food is expensive in Europe, but there's no tip. So at that point, now the restaurant owners are able to pay their employees a livable wage. We also need to start looking at our industry as careers. They're not side jobs. They're not side hustles. They're careers. There is something to say that when you travel to any other country, let's say you're traveling, you go to a resort. Those people at the resort in the Dominican Republic and in Puerto Rico and Jamaica, those people went to school. Like They have to go to school and get a degree in hospitality in order to work at those places. And we need to treat that the same way here in America. We need to look at it as a career, right? And so like a lot of times our employees are like, well, they were just so mean to me and they didn't tip and da-da-da-da-da. I said, but a lot of times when they tip you, they feel like they own you and that you need to do extra stuff instead of just doing what you need to do to give them a good experience. Now it's like, it's almost like an ownership. It's a perceived ownership. Like I'm tipping you and you need to do. And if we eliminate that, now we're retraining the customer to say, you're going to come, they're going to serve you because they're providing you a service. They are not your servant. And so we need to change how we train our customer. We need to change how we treat our employees. They are people. We need to get rid of tipping because one, it's a racist practice. Let's just start with that. It's highly offensive and we need to pay a livable wage. Food costs, everything that in this restaurant costs and the consumer needs to understand that and pay for it. We don't go to Gap and we don't go to the grocery store and get pissed that Cheetos is now a dollar more. And we don't have a breakdown in the middle of the aisle, right? We either decide to buy the Cheetos or we don't. When we go to Gap or anywhere else, we don't get upset at Gap. If something is more expensive, we either decide to buy it or we don't. No one is mad at Prada for their stuff being highly expensive. And when they raise their prices, no one is upset and throws a fit in Prada. So why do we treat the restaurant industry any differently? People treat us how we see ourselves, right? We're allowing for the customer to do this. We're allowing for this to happen in our industry and we need to stop it. It's toxic. It's not going to get us anywhere. And we have to actively start working together and get on these points together. If we keep on saying that, no, I think that this is the most important. Like, listen, the most important is to make these people that we employ whole. That is the most important thing. You know why? Because they are the reason why we're able to be who we are and we're able to see our dreams articulated. And so we should have gratitude for that and want the best for them. That's where I would love to see our industry move into. It needs to start working like any other sector. If you do good, the restaurant makes money, you get a bonus at the end of the year. And you don't get it paid out until February. (laughs) (laughs) This is normal anywhere else. So everybody is working towards that one goal to make sure at the end of the year that the company is profitable. And if the company is profitable, now we all win and we're getting and we're working towards our bonus. That instant gratification in the restaurant industry has to stop. You're not selling anymore, but you're getting remarkable tips. How does that help the restaurant? And if the restaurant isn't making more money, how do you expect for us to give you more benefits? How do you expect for us to want to give more to you when you're not taking care of the thing that is our heart? How? Right. So these are things we have to work on. The pandemic made this shit blatantly clear. We need some work to do. We are the second largest employer and do nothing on the hill. 
We don't go for advocacy for ourselves. We're not trying to change policy. Like, come on now. We have to get it together. We have to start looking at ourselves as professionals. And just the same as any other Fortune 500 company that's dealing with finances and and real estate and all of those things, we're just as powerful and we are just as important and just as professional. We make money just like everybody else. That's my take. That's Queenie Reed. For more on her restaurants, visit poppyandrose.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Copel. You've been listening to Full Comp.